Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Here we go, another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. As always, I am so glad to have you with us today uh, listening to the show. Uh, You know, it's interesting. uh, It was about five or six days ago that it occurred to me that it was time to check in with uh, mayors around Georgia again to talk about how their cities are doing as we continue to go through the pandemic, as we continue to live through, I think, fair, it would be fair to call turbulent times. And so we organized uh, the show with our three mayors, who I'll introduce in just a minute. I have to admit that when we planned this show, I had no idea that Governor Kemp would make an announcement yesterday, late in the day, that might in fact make a little news that would be worthy of <laughs> some uh, talk by the mayors who are on today. So um, we're going to get a little bit more political than I initially thought we might. Uh, with that in mind, let me introduce uh, our great panel for today. Uh, let me start with our mayor from South Georgia, uh, Mayor Julie Smith, the mayor of Tifton, Georgia. Um, we're v- you're in just you're close to the end of your first term, I believe, as mayor after having served on the city council. Is that right, Mayor Smith? Yes, I just was sworn in in my second term and uh, proud to represent Tifton, second Georgia, term. as the first first female mayor. Um, so, uh, so that that was exciting for me. So, yes, the so greetings from Tifton, Georgia. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here. Um, Thank you. We have from East Point Mayor Deanna uh, Holiday Ingram. Ingram, um, Mayor Ingram. Your uh, what? Ter- where are you in your uh, term as mayor right now? I don't know that. I am two and a half years in as mayor, but I also served one term as a council member um, before becoming mayor. So I've been serving for about six and a half years in the great city of East Point, where there's no point like East Point. <laughs> uh, you also are pretty involved in the National League of Cities in a number of uh, capacities. I know you have a great interest in, uh, in youth development, and you've been doing some work in that area there. Uh, you're also, I think, a member of the National League of Cities Black uh, uh, May- Mayor's Caucus. Is that right as well? Correct. I'm board member of National League of Cities as well as a member of the National Black Caucus of Local Elected Officials and as well as a board member with Georgia Municipal Association. Okay. And we're also really pleased to have back a voice that you've heard on this show many times, Mayor Rusty Paul of Sandy Springs. Rusty Paul, of course, uh, was uh, he's got a long history in, uh, in the state of Georgia and in national uh, government life. He uh, worked with Jack Kemp when Jack Kemp was the uh, uh, head of what was then HUD, the ho- uh, Housing and Urban Development. Uh, Rusty, you also, Mayor Paul, you also uh, were the state chair of the Republican Party and uh, have been serving as mayor of Sandy Springs two terms. Have I got that right? Yeah, I've got uh, about 18 more months left in, in my second term. So, okay. okay. We're glad you could be back with us. Well, um, it's good to be Let all, me just make one. Uh, so let me just say, I think I'm correct. Let me just a, a little bit about uh, the three cities we have here today. Uh, Rusty, Paul, I think you represent the city with the largest population. I think Sandy Springs, about 109,000 people, correct. right? That's correct, yes. We're the, we're the second largest city Mayor in the Carolina, sixth largest in the state. Mayor Ingram, your uh, city of East Point, 30-plus thousand, 35,000 residents? Yes, right around just under 35,000 in the second largest city in South Fulton County. And uh, you're on, as you say, South Fulton County, obviously Sandy Springs and the north side of Fulton County. Mayor Smith, your yes. city, Tifton, what, seven, 17,000 residents 16, at this point? Seven, yes, yes, 16,000, 17,000 citizens right, at that, right in that area, which reminds me, uh, let me go ahead and put a plug in. Please, Georgia, participate in the census. <laughs> it's so important <laughs> that everybody is counted. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. right now we're about 16,000. <laughs> 
Okay, and 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 many people know Tifton. If uh, if if nothing else, uh, you're on I seventy five for people who are heading down that way. Uh, they'll pass through Tifton on their on their way. You hope into Tifton, but often yeah. heading uh, to Florida or whatever. That is true. So yeah, right. come uh, through Tifton and, and stop and see us. Yes. <laughs> Mayor Ingram, I've got to start with you because it was a week ago today that you put in place a mandatory mask requirement for the city of East Point. You led the effort. Your city council uh, voted in favor of it. And now a week later, Governor Kemp says you can no longer require masks in your city, nor can any of the other cities that have established mask mandates as well. What's your response to that? So my response is that the um, science, the data, the national experts, the national infectious disease experts, over 1,400 Georgia healthcare workers um, have said that masks are necessary to save lives, which is why we acted when we did, which is why um, as clearly as been shown during this pandemic, cities are essential and cities are leading the way um, I spent some time looking at the governor's uh, most recent executive order, and I, I think it's interesting that, of course, the banning, that's not the word he used in his order, but it's quite sensational for news and for media, right? But the order um, really says that the um, orders are suspended to the extent that they are more restrictive than his executive order. And I believe that that language had to be used because one of the provisions that cities led the way on was requiring employers to require their workers to wear face masks if they were interacting with face-to-face contact with the public. And so the governor's executive order actually requires the same. Um, And so that to me is following a leadership of cities, indicating that it's critically important that we do all that we can to save the lives of our residents and to make sure that we're doing all that we can for their health, welfare, and safety. And so I think that it was interesting to use suspension. So he didn't say they were illegal and that they should not have been enforced, which he could have said. There's some other language in there that talks about unenforceability. But specifically regarding the mask ordinance, he said that they're suspended, which I think suggests that you know prior to yesterday, um, they were enforceable, they were valid, um, and they're still valid. They're just kind of in abeyance. You can't suspend something that's illegal. Um, and again, we led the way, and he still he is he now is requiring employers of um, food establishments um, such as retail and wholesale grocery stores, gyms, fitness centers, amusement rides um, to encourage their patients to wear a face mask. But he's requiring workers who have frequent contact with patients to wear face coverings for um, live performance venues, conventions. Um, wear them at all times. If you're at a bar or an, uh, an amusement ride park, if you work there, you have to wear face coverings at all times. And then that they have to wear face coverings, as we said, when having interaction with patrons or um, providing service to patrons, restaurants and dining rooms, body art studios, estheticians, hair designers, massage therapists, tanning facilities, indoor movie theaters, cinemas, and bowling alleys. So you're going to keep your mask requirement in place is the bottom line on that. I mean, well, the, the, I think the part requiring the employers to do it is not inconsistent with the governor's order. And so his, his penalties are more restrictive. Um, they are required to be a misdemeanor. And so I think, you know, there's no conflict in that. And as it relates to the, the persons, I think it's important from that he's protecting the ec- people who are serving in the economic industry um, but, you know, the regular citizen who is not an employee or who's not working there is not required to wear a mask, but he feels that it is important for others. And so, you know, it is what it Rusty. is as it relates to the suspension. Rusty Paul, um, I've already received a lot of emails from listeners this morning who are puzzled. They, at the same time that Alabama Governor Ivey uh, it, uh, mandates masks across the state. Our governor says they're not mandated, although Mayor Ingram points out that there are a lot of cases in which the, ma- uh, the governor says you should wear a mask. But, um, you, know, you know, tell what, what is your take on the reluctance to just go all the way? Does the governor have a, a, a pretty reasonable case here about the unenforceability 
of mandating masks? The, the, the city attorneys that I've talked to from the very beginning have had concerns about the enforceability of, of these mandates. And, and I don't know what the – I'm not a lawyer, but I, and I don't know what the constitutional uh, challenges to it would be. Uh, I mean, it's, people say, you know, well, we require people to wear seatbelts and we don't allow people to text while they're driving. And I asked the lawyers about that and they said, well, there's a difference because driving is a privilege. You can revoke that, uh, you know, because you've got a license. You can regulate those things you issue licenses for that are privileges. But there is some kind of constitutional challenge to mandatory face masks that everybody's dancing around. Uh, and, and, and I haven't gotten a clear answer as to why that is but it's it's a challenge i mean i get the same emails every day uh from my constituents uh and it's it's a tough time in suburbia uh, right now to be uh, a mayor or any other elected official uh because they don't understand why we don't do these things uh and uh we're str- I, i'm struggling I'm struggling because I want to be able to do more than I can do right now. And I spent more time with our city attorney in the last three weeks than probably in the last three years trying to figure out how we can do certain things that people really want us to do without getting crossways because the governor's order says if you violate this order, it's a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor means you can go to jail for a year. Uh, so that that's a kind of a chilling a, a chilling challenge for those of us who are trying to thread a needle here. But I think I think you're going to see more and more of the suburban uh, communities begin to defy the order and do some things. I mean, uh, my council is split. Uh, I've got probably half the council who is dead set about doing something. And the other half is kind of, well, you know, are we going into an area where we could put ourselves in legal jeopardy? Uh, So it's a tough time to try and figure all this stuff out. But I think in the end. Sandy Springs and some other suburban cities are going to be taking some steps to try and get where our constituents want us to go without trying to get crossways with the legal system. Um, We'll come back to that in a couple of minutes, Uh, but let me turn to Mayor Smith. Mayor Smith, uh, you don't have a mandatory mask uh, requirement in place, uh, uh, clearly. Uh, But I want to to talk to you about the virus in uh, Tift County. there have been about, according to the Department of Public Health, uh, the State Department of Public Health, a little over 1,000, 1,013 COVID-19 cases in the county. But So that's tiny compared to what uh, uh, Mayor uh, uh, Ingram and Mayor Paul are, are seeing around them in Fulton County. But, but on a per capita, on a, on a if you look at that in terms of cases per 100,000 people, Tiff County has almost twice as many cases as Fulton County, 2,481 cases per 100,000 people. So the virus is clearly around you. Give us a sense of where things stand in Tifton right now. Right. I had the opportunity to speak with our hospital CEO last night, and our hospital is full. There is no room in the ICU. There is no room in the ER. And that's really disconcerting because not only do these COVID patients need attention, you know, if, if, if someone has a heart attack or there's a, a car accident where someone's injured, there's nowhere to put these people to recuperate. So it's really a challenge. And um, talking about the, the governor's order, it's very interesting that also this week, Walmart, a significant corporation, came out, uh, you know, with their, their press conf- or press announcement that said, if you're going to shop at Walmart, you will wear a mask. And so the governor's executive order has removed the ability for me and the city of Tiffin, or our council and our management, to require that if you visit City Hall or a city public building that you wear a mask. So I find it quite interesting that Walmart, Kroger, and some other private businesses are mandating this. And, and from everything we're hearing, um, you know, masks do make a difference. Are they comfortable? No. Do we like wearing them? No. But it does make a difference. Uh, like Mayor Paul, our our council is split. Should we mandate it? Should we not? And it goes back to the same thing uh, Mayor Ingram and Mayor Paul had discussed, it's enforceability. Um, and I think that's a, a real issue with this executive order. And it's, you know, we're in uncharted territory and, and we're learning something new every day. So 
Um, you know, as elected officials, like Mayor Paul said, as elected officials, it's such a challenging time. Our job is, you know, is to protect and take care of our citizens. And so um, we've never had a pandemic before that we've had to deal with, not in our lifetime. So it's, it's really a challenge, but um, we are seeing our cases increase um, and the strange phenomenon of, of the um, asymptomatic who are out walking around and may have no idea that they have this disease and they're transmitting it. So, uh, so it's, it's scary times. So, Mayor, I, I, in getting prepared for the show this morning, I looked at local news from each of your communities. Uh, and, and Mayor Smith, I, mm-hmm. I saw that is this still is this still happening? There's a an Italian water circus that is opening in Tifton. Apparently, it's an <laughs> annual event. That is that is this circus well, still going to happen in Tifton tonight? I went to the website of the circus yeah. and they said, oh, "Here are all the precautions we're taking." But are you yeah. going to have an event like that in Tifton? Uh, you know that I'm not sure if that is going to happen or not. To be honest with you, I'm, I um, they've been sheltering in place in Tifton. They were not scheduled. They were passing through our community. Um, not sure where they were exactly coming from or going to, but we're not scheduled to perform here. And then the state, you know, the, the first executive order came out and, and uh, the state was shut down. So they sheltered here. Um, very disconcerting, though, because, um, you know, you, it, normally we're, we're very welcoming to, to visitors and, and want them to stay here and, and enjoy our community. However, uh, we have to be so careful. We don't know where they've been. We don't know what they've been exposed to. And they're in our grocery stores and you know, and, and at laundromats and, and uh, you know, shopping and everything. So um, I'm not sure if they're actually going to have an event yet or not. Okay. The, uh, well, the, the, the paper this morning said they were going to oh, – by the way, if, if somebody's got a, uh, a computer audio uh, still cranked up, we could we appreciate if you'd mute it so we don't hear the alerts that are coming in. Um, you're, according to the Tifton uh, newspaper – they're supposed to open tonight. And the reason I think about that now is, Rusty Paul, I'm sure one of the hardest decisions that you had to make, and you just made it earlier this week, was closing for the summer your concert series at City Springs, which is this extraordinary new uh, arts venue, a couple of years old at this point. And I, I know that's such so de- that project is so near and dear to your heart. It must have really stung to have to cancel the entire summer season. Well, it, it's it's even worse, Bill. We met yesterday, staff virtually, uh, to look at what we're going to do, and we'll probably be dark through the rest of 2020. Uh, we we went ahead and decided to cancel uh, everything at least into October, uh, and it is it's painful. First of all, it's it's a financial uh, challenge because we had certain revenues from rentals and other things for that facility that we we baked into the cake. And that's going away. So we've got to make budget adjustments at a time when we're already, because of the pandemic-induced economic challenges, uh, facing we, – we cut our budget 21%, cut our capital budget by 75% to try and get us through the, the current uh, economic challenge. And, uh, yeah, it is. It is. Because that, that's the – we built that to be the – social heart of, uh, of of the community uh and it's not beating right now uh and uh, but it's it's the it's the th- it's the smart thing to do but it, it it's a challenge it's, and it's disappointing to me as you know i spent four years of my life pulling that together and building i think one of the most magnificent cultural and arts facilities in the metro area and to be dark for the entire year is going to be uh heartbreaking for us yeah mayor ingram can I go back to masks with you for just a moment? Uh, and here's why. Uh, so we okay. So we know that President Trump was uh, in uh, Atlanta yesterday. Uh, landed at Harris Field. Went to a UPS uh, a location right near the airport. So he didn't he didn't travel far. But I was looking at uh, photographs of the event. We we there was a, it really made big news when President Trump wore a mask in public for the first time in the last week. All of a sudden, that's an exciting factor. Yesterday, on the tarmac as Air Force One as he deboarded Air Force One, uh, the governor in the first photograph I saw, which was on the front page of the digital edition of the AJC, was wearing a mask as he greeted the president. The president was not wearing a mask. And the second photograph that I looked at 
of that greeting, Governor Kemp had now slipped the mask off one ear and it was hanging down so that his face was uncovered. Kelly Leffler was wearing a mask. Doug Collins was wearing a mask. This ongoing political uh, 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 adventure that we're watching of masks or no masks feels to me like it is just, it's maddening, isn't it? It is maddening. It is um, political. And it is unfortunate. You know, I spent some time as director of student discipline for the fourth largest school district in the state. And we talked about positive behavior intervention and support, like rewarding and incentivizing the positive behavior and not focusing on the negative behavior. I think the media spends a lot of time focusing on um, the negative role modeling of our leaders um, when we should really be focusing on the, you know, encouraging and incentivizing the behavior we want to see. So the reality of it is, is at this point, um, unfortunately, um, you know, leaders, it's one thing to be a leader during good times, but when you're in the unprecedented time of uncertainty of a pandemic that we haven't seen in over a century, I mean, leadership becomes critically important and what you do, what you say, all of that matters. And you have to, a leader who cares about people um, understands that is very intentional about their actions, about their words, about, you know, what they're modeling. And unfortunately, I don't see that at the federal level. Um, I, I can say this, um, you know, if we are talking and having a long debate about whether or not masks are essential, that becomes a very political conversation. The medical experts have said that masks are necessary to save lives. And while right now we can't enforce um, people to wear masks um, when they go into commercial establishments because it seems that, you know, the employers, employee, people who work at those um, restaurants or in those businesses who help people make a profit, they're required. And the governor has mandated that they wear masks. But every person, and Mayor Van Johnson said it um, some time ago during this pandemic, though, he said that each person is the mayor, the governor, the commissioner, the president of their own home. And each and every person has the ability to make their own decisions. And while, you know, there might be this political dance around whether we can mandate them or not, people can choose to save their lives and the lives of others. And what I've been seeing since I've been out in public um, around the city, I've seen an increased use of masks in public places. And I don't think people are gonna go back, right? I, I think people clearly now see the political game that's being played and they understand because leaders were bold enough at the local level to say that this is critically important and it's so important, we're gonna say that you have to do it because we prioritize your health, welfare and safety and it's too important to us not to do it, that I think they'll continue to do it. Um, you say uh, it's political, and just to uh, uh, make a political point, Stacey Abrams was on MSNBC last night. Here's what she had to say about the governor's decision not to mandate masks. From the beginning of this this catastrophe, Brian Kemp has demonstrated he has absolutely no competency in this process. And what he continues to do is downplay not only the challenge to Georgians, but the deaths of Georgians. More than 3,000 Georgians have perished, disproportionately black and brown Georgians, and he continues to fiddle while Rome burns. You know, Rusty, I've got to get to a break, Mayor Paul, but before I do, um, this, this, the fact that this has become so political is counterproductive to everyone, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. However you're arguing this point, it strikes me this is counterproductive to all of us. Well, I'll, I'll say this. As a suburban Republican, uh, suburban Republicans are having a very tough time anyway right now. I mean, the, 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 the president is not real popular in in suburban areas right now, and you put this on top at a time when the Democrats are trying to flip the General Assembly, uh, it's playing right into the hands of, 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 of the governor's political point, uh, opponents at a certain level, because uh, the, I can just tell you the anger and angst in these suburban areas over this issue, particularly among seniors, which is one of the largest voting blocks, and who I'm hearing from, uh, they're angry and they're frustrated, but more importantly, they're scared. 
and they don't see anybody in government stepping up and responding to those fears. And that's the challenge that we've got. We've got to somehow or the other reassure these people that we're doing what we can to make life safer for them. And that's the challenge I've got. That's the challenge that each one of these mayors have to try and do that within the constraints that we're facing right now. All right. Um, let, let me take a break. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about in terms of what's happening in each of your cities than just the virus. And, and I really want to go, go around for, to each of you and get to some of the most important things that are happening in your communities. Um, and we will do that after we pause for these messages. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We've convened a panel of uh, George Mayors on Political Rewind today. Mayor Rusty Paul, Sandy Springs, Mayor Deanna Holliday Ingram, uh, East Point, and uh, Mayor Julie Smith, Tifton. Mayor Smith, let me let me start with you, if I may, on this, because I want let's get a status report, an update on okay. how things are going in each of the cities that are represented today. Um, tell me how it, we're about to see new unemployment figures for Georgia. We just got the federal report, another 1.3 million Americans filing for unemployment compensation. What's happening to jobs in Tifton right now? And it's interesting because you not only have a city economy with health services, retail Mm -hmm. and the like, but you're surrounded by agriculture agriculture as well. So put all that together and tell me how things are going economically in your town. I sure will. Yes, uh, you know, of course, you know, Georgia being an, an agricultural-based state, and certainly South Georgia, um, agriculture is our number one industry. I mean, we feed the world. And the challenge that we have is um, we rely heavily on migrant workers to assist our farming operations. Uh, I can be in downtown Tifton and in two or three minutes drive out, all of a sudden I'm in the middle of someone's farm. So it, it is all around us. And our migrant workers are as critical as any infrastructure that we have in our community. They are as important as roads and water systems and and everything. So they're a large part of our community. And the challenge is, um, you know, migrant workers are migrant. They they move from community to community. And uh, I've been watching a lot on the national news uh, lately with migrant workers in Florida who are picking strawberries and now have moved up into Georgia. And, and these people are no different than any any individual in, in, in across our state. They care for their families. They want to be able to provide uh, food for their families and, and make a decent living. And, um, and, and so they're very critical to the farming community in, in South Georgia. Um, but there's great concern. There's inconsistent, we talked about it today, there's inconsistent regulations from community to community and, and now great confusion within our state. Um, traditionally, migrant workers have been somewhat untrusting of government. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so when we, we ask them to do things like wear a mask so that we can make sure that you're healthy and you're safe so that you can do your job and provide for your family, sometimes that gets lost in translation. Um, it's, it's difficult for them, and they're outside all day. And, and you know, so there's, uh, you know, that's, that's a big challenge. But, but the agricultural industry for South Georgia is so significant and when the pandemic first hit, and we, we, you know, back in February, March, and began to shut things down, we had farmers who had acres and acres of crops that were just laying in the field and nobody to harvest. Um, it was very challenging. And especially you think about, um, you know, people who are dealing with food insecurities and kids being out of school, you know, getting that fresh produce to the, to the, to our state is so very important. And so, um, it just, you know, we just are very concerned about that. Again, our hospital's full. Um, we are seeing um, a lot of our small business. We've got an award-winning downtown with a, a great diverse mix of local independent businesses, small business. Uh, they're suffering, and we feel that pain, and it's very challenging um, as, as local government to 
uh, we want to support, we want to help, we want to offer every resource possible for these small businesses to succeed. Um, so we rely heavily on our state and federal government to, uh, to work with us on that, and it's, it's been a challenge. Are you losing businesses in your uh, in in the downtown area? Are have you already lost some? Are many of them closed for temp- temporarily, or already decided they can't open at all? We yes, we do have They'll many go that out of are business. Temp- yeah, we have we have many that are just temporarily closed. Um, once the uh, once the, particularly the restaurants and and all once they were able to open back up, that was certainly helpful. But again, with limited capacity, so they're still they're still hurting. They're not at the uh, at the level that they were prior to the pandemic. Um, and so many of these, um, you know, our our wait staff, you know, they they depend upon customer base. And so even though there was the ability for restaurants to offer takeout or curb service, uh, the staff was still suffering. So um, you know, we we do have a very strong industrial base. So fortunately, our major industries. Uh, are still functioning, and and many of them have converted. Uh, We have an American textiles company here that has converted to making, uh, rather than the pillows and bedding that they normally make, they're making masks and gowns and things like that. So that's been very helpful to keep, not only to provide that necessary uh, PPE for for hospitals and healthcare across our region, but to keep those people employed. So um, I think that the Ingenuity of, of the Georgians that are business owners and employees is, has been amazing uh, to try to survive this best that they can. Mayor Ingram, tell me about what you're dealing with in terms of the biggest problems in terms of uh, your economy, uh, joblessness, and that. You, 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 you know, go ahead and tell us what, what's going on with East Point right now. So from an economy perspective, um, it's kind of like Mayor Smith, like a lot of our businesses in downtown East Point restaurants, I mean, they remain open for carryout only, but their revenue suffered drastically. Um, and so I think, you know, they're, they're doing a little bit better now, but even though um, dine-in is allowed right now, many of them are still only doing carryout um, and have kind of, you know, tweaked their business models to really be able to support that. Um, a lot of them still need financial assistance um, who weren't able to get the PPP into the PPP program or get the support. And so we're trying to connect them um, with that. And, you know, unfortunately, our unemployment rate soared. Um, in January of this year, we had a 4.8, February 4.7. In March, it started inching up to 7.4% employment rate. And then in April, we had a 20% unemployment rate in our city. Um, and so that that was, it looked like it was the peak, hopefully knock on wood, because our May numbers, and these are for the, from the US, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, for May 31st, we were at 18.4. So it's, you know, coming down, but it's still, you know, over four times higher than what we were before this pandemic hit. And, and, and what's that doing to your tax base? What's going to happen to your budget? So um, we just actually proved the budget amendment um, because of, to reflect the actual um, revenues and there were decreases, right? Um, I think we, you know, haven't been disconnecting our utilities either. We are full service city. And so we saw a a huge, um, I guess you call that account receivable um, that had accrued, but that's starting to go down. You know, I I think the reality of it is, is like the, if this rate stays this high, we're going to really start have to, having to think. And we and I, we passed a budget, very a very conservative budget this year, um, taking you know to be able to hopefully not be too far off. But we're literally having to look at this you know month by month, uh, almost week by week at times to have these conversations around you know where adjustments do we need to make now because of what we're seeing in the level of like non payments that are coming in or decreased payments. And our hotel and motel tax suffered over 75%. Well, in Sandy Springs, our our economic base is a little bit different. We're a regional and national and international headquarters community. I mean, we've got Mercedes, uh, Newell Rubbermaid, uh, Cox Communications, uh, ICE, a lot of major corporations, and they've been able to use telecommute telecommuting to uh, keep their operations going but this 
uh, economic uh, impact has fallen disproportionately on the lower end of the economic ladder. It's the people in retail. It's the people who uh, kind of are on the edge living paycheck to paycheck, and it has been devastating for them. Uh, we've uh, put some money into a couple of our three of our nonprofits to help with uh, rent assistance. Uh, also, uh, food needs are just still out there. We had one pop-up food pantry that opened at 7 o'clock in the morning. People were lined up at 4.30 to be able to get in just to get food. So it's, it's, it's really fallen, and particularly with schools closed. A lot of kids rely on schools for uh, at least two of their meals a day. So it's put a real pressure on, on, on those areas. And Sandy Springs is a lot more diverse than people uh, realize. We're about 40% of our population uh, are minorities, and, and we, they live in apartments. The, the virus has been disproportionately hitting those apartment communities, particularly in Hispanic community right around uh, Roswell Road and 285. But coming up Roswell Road, uh, our biggest spikes in, uh, in the virus have happened within our apartment communities. So they're getting a double whammy. They're getting infected by the virus, and they're being affected most by the economic dislocations that are going on as a result of the virus. And it's a real challenge for those. I'm issuing a statement today asking apartment managers to be more lenient on late fees because we've got in, in the groups that are providing rent assistance, they don't cover the late fees. So, if, you know, so it's, it's a real challenge for those who are already on the edge and they're going off the edge, and we're trying to figure out what we can do locally uh, to, to make life a little bit better in that regard. So there are some interesting contrasts between uh, your community, Rusty, and yours, Mayor Ingram, obviously. Um, and, Rusty, you sort of you talked about the fact that the virus is disproportionate and the economy is disproportionately impacting lower-income residents of Sandy Springs. The median income of Sandy Springs – I think is probably double. I think it's around seventy plus thousand dollars. Whereas Mayor Ingram, the, the median income in East Point is thirty some thousand dollars. So does that suggest, Mayor Ingram, that your population, that your folks are, I mean, that your community is really hit economically across the board in a way that Rusty Paul still has those international businesses at at least there. Um, you're taking it more on the chin in that sense, yes? Yeah, so um, that is something that we're keenly aware of. Um, our demographics, we feel, are opportunities for us to really be innovative and be supportive and have to be people-focused in what we do. And so right out of the gate, um, immediately, like in April, the first week in April, we started providing food distribution in our city um, to be able to support those in need, and the need is growing. Um, we have Atlanta Community Food Bank headquartered in the city of East Point. And so we have grown to be, to a point where we are distributing food Monday through Thursday um, at churches throughout our city um, through our partnerships with them. We had a partnership with United Way um, and, a, and an angel donor for food, um, as well as um, the John Hope Foundation. Is the John Hope Foundation? The Fountain of Hope. I'm sorry, Fountain of Hope Food Bank. Um, and others, and we have given out over 300,000 pounds of food. We feed about 800 to 1,000 families per week since the beginning of April. Um, and, you know, we know those opportunities that exist. We also know that, you know, people of color are disproportionately impacted and infected by COVID-19. And so in the first week of May, we reached out and we had a partner to come in who provides weekly COVID-19 testing in our city. We do it every Wednesday and Thursday. Um, we just recently partnered with Tyler Perry Foundation, Corps, and Fulton County Board of Health to provide additional testing on Friday. Um, and then for financial assistance, you know, we really um, are connecting people with the resources that we know are out there in the organizations. Nicholas House has been an amazing partner for us in providing rental and financial assistance. We have a COVID-19 um, request form. And the requests that are coming in, a lot of them are increasingly being for financial assistance. And so we're working with people to for that. All right. That's going to be the last word before we get to a break. Uh, when we come back, um, I want to hear what, what other issues you're interested in. But I also, you know, I know none of you are in charge of the school systems in your communities. Those are run by the counties. Nevertheless, I can't imagine that as mayors of your cities, you're not hearing from parents 
and others about what's going to happen with school in the weeks ahead. So we'll talk about that and more after we pause for this message. Just a quick note as we continue Political Rewind, um, Tom Faust tells me that uh, he's starting to see notifications that a number of mayors uh, plan uh, throughout the day today to be speaking out about the governor's uh, uh, decision not to mandate masks. And and the people you would expect probably uh, to to speak out, Mayor Bottoms, the city of Atlanta has already said they intend to continue with a mask requirement. That's basically what Mayor Ingram told us earlier on this show. And Mayor Van Johnson of Savannah, who's been very outspoken in terms of his feelings that the state should be doing more, uh, will be speaking out at some point today. So you all will want to look for all that. All right. Can we talk education for, is it, Julie Smith, again, we know mayors aren't in charge of school systems in this state, but what's happening in Tifton? I I read, again, in your local paper today, it sounds like the chair of your board of education has been very sensitive to the understanding of how how conflicted parents and faculty feel about whether schools should reopen right now. What's going to happen in uh, Tift County and in Tifton in terms of schools next month? Right. Uh, We had the opportunity to meet this week. Uh, City leadership met with school leadership, and we've got such a a great relationship. You know, it it takes a literally takes a a village to uh, to run a community. And so we've got great partners in that regard. Um, Our um, our school superintendent is highly sensitive. Um, They are basically, in essence, giving parents the opportunity to sort of make the decision if you are comfortable sending your children back into the classroom with masks and all the appropriate um, precautions that need to be taken, then that is that is fine. If the preference is uh, the online situation that they're under, you know, have been under the last several months, then, then that's an option as well. So um, they are looking at uh, maybe a shortened week, which gives the ability for the school system to come in and sanitize uh, and, and make sure classrooms are clean and that type thing. So um, we're very concerned about that. Um, you know, it's interesting in this in this new executive order, Governor Kemp does allow school buildings, which are public buildings. Uh, allows the school system to make their decisions regarding the masks and that kind of thing. However, as, as a city, I don't have that ability, you know, for City Hall. So, it's, again, that, that executive order is, is somewhat ambiguous. It's, it's sort of confusing. But I'm very happy that he did include uh, in the new executive order that the school system um, need to take those those necessary precautions to keep our children safe. And it's not only keeping the children safe, safe it's the staff, it's the faculty. Um, you know, if, um, you can't have school without the teachers. So uh, so we'll, we'll be watching that very closely, but I have great confidence in our school superintendent and our board of education. Uh, our, our board chair, like you said, is very sensitive to, um, he has his many children himself and, and they're in our school system. So uh, it's very personal to him and, and to all of the board members. So we'll watch that very closely. And if and if our numbers spike, um, you know, we may have to have to shut school back down again. Uh, again, with our hospital being full, it's you know, there's nowhere for, for people to go as as this pandemic continues to you know run the uh, ravage on our community here in Tifton. You know, uh, Mayor Ingram and I both are uh, have uh, the Fulton County School System uh, uh, overseeing our schools. Uh, and and uh, we're in constant contact with uh, with the school staff. I mean, the school board's headquarters in Sandy Springs, and so we're talking regularly with them. I mean, the real challenge is on each end of the spectrum. You've got the young kids, one kindergarten, one, two, three, who really need that hands-on kind of education. And then I was uh, in Maryland last week. I've got a 17-year-old grandson. I know I don't look it, but, yes, he's a senior. And I listened to uh, his angst about, well, am I really going to have a senior year? Am I going to be able to do the things that I've worked for all these years and celebrate? And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an awful, awful situation because the ramifications, particularly for younger kids, if you don't get them reading and performing on level by the time they're in the third grade, you've lost them. And we lost a lot of last year's uh, time. If we lose much this year, you've got a whole – cohort of kids 
that are going to suffer as a result. So we've got to figure this out, figure out somehow or the other, get these kids back in school in as safe a way as we possibly can, particularly the younger ones, uh, because the ramifications of not getting them educated when they're very young are going to reverberate for generations. Yeah, I um, so we do are in the same district, and I I like um, Mayor Paul um, have a really good relationship. I'm in constant communication with our leaders of our schools, and at our um, July 6 board meeting, the District Four board member came and shared Fulton County Schools' reopening plan. And while it was informative, it was extremely disappointing. Um, extremely disappointing from a safety perspective. Um, the idea that if the schools are going to be open, they're offering a virtual or in-person choice. And if you make the choice, you have to stick with it. You can't change your mind. But aside from that, um, the, the idea that they will not be testing teachers, um, you know, before they come into the building. And I know the test is only as good as the day that you took it, but at least showing some level of care and concern for the kids that are going to be entrusted into the school district. And then they're requiring the teachers to wear masks, but saying it's optional for kids and something about discipline. I don't even know how the word discipline comes up in the conversation about that. Um, I, I think, you know, it's quite concerning that we are not going to mandate that our children wear masks so that not only our children are protected, but the teachers who are showing up to educate them will be too. And so it's very disappointing. I know there have been some um, protests about things about those decisions that the school district appears to be making as they're moving forward. Um, Fulton County Schools received $18,300,111 in CARES Act funding. Um, and so they have 96,000 kids, even if they bought reusable masks at about $5 per mask, that would only be $480,000, which would still leave $18 million. Plus they have a quarter billion dollar um, reserves that they're sitting on. And so if this is not a rainy day, it is a thunderstorm happening, it is a tsunami, and it is really time to make sure that we're prioritizing the safety of our kids and the, the staff that um, show up daily to instruct them to make sure that we're creating an environment that is as safe as possible if, in fact, they return to the building. So extremely disappointed with where the district is going right now, and hopefully they'll make some changes in their decisions as the number of cases continue to soar. Um, we're short out of time at this point. I, I, I guess I should ask you all a general question, and, and I'm going to have to mm -hmm. give relatively short responses. And, and as long as, Mayor Ingram, you've got the ball. Are you, how hopeful are you about what the future uh, offers us? Uh, are, are you thinking in the next year things will get better? Do you think we're going to continue on a downward spiral for some time to come? I, give, give, are, you, are you hopeful? So I have lowered my expectations quite substantially as it relates to higher level of government and the lack of, because of the lack of leadership, right? And so I can tell you as it relates to that, I, I don't waste my time um, on that level. I, I, I focus on what can we do at the local level and what's within our locus of control to be able to make sure that we get through this together. And so I am very optimistic about that and optimistic about the um, resilience of, you know, the residents in our community and, you know, what we are doing and what we have done as a, as a council to step in and, you know, bridge those gaps of food, um, and food insecurity, financial assistance and testing. So I know that we will get through this together. Mayor Smith, take about uh, 30 seconds or so and tell, give me your take on that question. You, you got it. Uh, as you know, as a Christian woman, um, I, I rely strongly on my faith. I have great confidence in the citizens of our community as well. And uh, is it a challenge? Absolutely. Will we get through it? Yes, we will. How? Through prayer, through, <laughs> lots of prayer, <laughs> we'll get lots of prayer, uh, and, and, and making smart Where wearing masks, you know, making sure that we're, we're educating as many people as possible, and as elected officials, setting the example. If I go to the grocery store, I've got to have my mask on. I've got to make sure that my council is, is in lockstep, and, and we are. So, uh, so I, I think that, uh, you know, challenges come and all boats rise and fall together, but we're in it together and we'll get through it together. 
Rusty, Paul, I, I, I saved you for last because I want to read a statement and then let you respond. Uh, this is what you said the other day when you were talking about having to roll back some of the uh, plans to reopen. You said, we're all feeling the strain from COVID-19 economically, physically, and mentally. I understand the powerful desire to insert elements that bring back a sense of normalcy, but we're not there yet in terms of getting control over the outbreak. And really, it seems to me that applies to a lot more than just the outbreak right now. It applies to um, what's happening with us in terms of uh, the quest for racial justice right now yeah. and so many other things. How optimistic are you in the next 30 uh, to, to tell, give us 30 seconds of your time? <laughs> I'm very optimistic. I'm always an optimistic. We're going to get through this. 2020 is going to be a lost year. But once we get a vaccine, all this is going to come together. We've been in, a, in an unbelievable problem we haven't even talked about the social justice challenges that we're facing at the same time and uh, and it's complicating everything that we're doing but we're going to get through this we're going to be better and as a result 2021 is going to be a great year i am very sorry we didn't get to social justice because i know it's a matter that all of you care about um but we will continue to talk about it on the show Uh, with all of our panels, and we'll invite you all back, and we'll pick up that conversation another day. So thank you, Mayor Ingram. Thank you, Mayor Paul. Thank you, Mayor Smith, for a really interesting conversation, telling us a little bit about what's happening around our state. That's it for Political Rewind uh, today. Uh, I'm Bill Nygut. We'll be back with another show tomorrow. In the meantime, would you do me a favor? Please take care and stay healthy. See you all tomorrow.